Hey there, friends, family, and countrymen. Thank you for joining us for another week of Scooby Dudes. My name is Luke. Across from me, I have Evan, and we are here to talk to you about our favorite meddling kids. And their dumb dog, too. Uh, that dumb dog's name is Scooby-Doo. Yep, we're here to talk to you about Scooby-Doo. What particular series of Scooby-Doo are we covering this week, Evan? Uh, we are covering a series from the early aughts, and it is called Shaggy and Scooby-Doo Get a Clue. And the particular episode that we are covering is Season 1, Episode 1, Shags to Riches. Quite an episode. We are going to refrain from making jokes about that title until the episode proper. Yeah, so. I think let's, there's so many jokes to get to, we don't want to keep you guys from them for another moment. Really just enjoy, continue listening. Those are my instructions for you. Don't stop, keep listening. We'll be back for the outro, and I guess also for the rest of it. It's all us. Sorry. It's all <laughs> this this whole thing. It's, it's just Luke. It's just me. It reminds me of that analogy of someone who uh, who t- told a professor she believes that the world rests upon Luke and Evan's backs, and he said, "Well, what do Luke and Evan rest on? Luke's and Evan's all the way down." <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the episode. I guess that's fine. That's not bad. Two dudes talking about Scooby-Doo. Two dudes just like you. Unless you're a lady, mm, this show is for ladies too. If you're LGBTQ, we are your Scooby-Doos. Welcome indeed to Scooby-Doos. Yes, hey there. How, how are you doing? Oh, I'm, I'm doing quite well. And yourself? No, our listeners. Oh, how are our listeners doing? Our listeners are doing quite well. And yourself? Now, if you could just block off five minutes for them to respond, because I want to be polite. Yeah, we're going to be taking some live responses on the air. Tweet back at us one week after we finish mixing this episode. <laughs> it's going to be a long turnaround. We're going to have to wait yeah, a we while. We have quite a production time for each of these. We really do. Uh, but welcome... I, I really don't want to waste any time. I really want to get into this episode. It's Shaggy and Scooby-Doo Get a Clue, Episode 1, Shags to Riches. Shags to Riches. Uh, do we want to talk about that title at all? <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's a that's a hard yes. It sounds, I mean, Shags to Riches. I don't know. I mean, this sounds like the typical career path in Amsterdam. Yeah, okay, there you go. That okay, was yeah. the- <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to figure out a way to do that joke without saying the word of the profession. <laughs> Wonderfully done. Yes. Thank you. Uh, shags to because uh, uh, of the tense. Sorry, that that's what's tripping me up right now is the verb tense. Shags to riches. What she do? Uh, she she shags to riches. He shags to riches. Mm-hmm. Sorry, that's what they do. That's what they they blank, are. It's an, does a that. present action or mm-hmm. a. Mm. All right, I'm I'm open up up grammar girl and Purdue owl. Are you actually? <laughs> no. You said Grammar Girl. How did you have that site just, like, ready to go? <laughs> Let's get to the episode. So, like like you said, we are covering Shaggy and Scooby-Doo Get a Clue. Let's give some background on this show, where it came in the Scooby-Doo canon. This is the 10th incarnation, and I believe the last one we did was the 4th. So we're, we're quite a number of years past. Um, so many years so that this show debuted in 2006. 2006 is not too long ago. That's just one brief decade ago. And you can definitely tell, the animation is way more modern, a lot of the humor is more modern, it's it's modern. On, on that note, the animation is very decidedly off-model for Scooby-Doo, uh, which I think we'll get on once we really delve into the show more. What I do want to make note of, and this is what Wikipedia says... Okay, yeah, I, I read the same thing, it blows my mind because it doesn't make sense to me, but please. Uh, right, and, and the thing is, there's no citation for this, right? So, so, yeah, so it could be unfounded. Brain assault. But yeah, I'm going to read this verbatim. 
The characters have also been redesigned to look like animated versions of how they appeared in the live-action Scooby-Doo film. Which is not consistent at all to my thinking. The thing is that there were some redesigns for, for the movie that you and I love, but those redesigns or those modernizations do not extend to Scooby and Shaggy. Scooby and Shaggy were done incredibly faithfully. For one thing, Scooby was CGI. He looks exactly as he did in the cartoons, except CGI. And Matthew Lillard is Shaggy. He is wearing a little bit of a V-neck, that green t-shirt. Yeah, the, the bell bottoms. Here, Shaggy wears a green tee with another longer baseball tee underneath. And sorry, cargo pants as well. And cargo pants, yeah. All that to say, I don't think Wikipedia has this one right. That movie came out, if I remember correctly, and I guess I can check, 2002. You're right. Uh, so this is four years later. Weird to think this came out four years later. The the connection seems tenuous even then, because it's like, oh, you, you created sort of like a... a film tie-in four years after the film? Yeah, it's... It's it's an uh, it's a it's a pretty bogle turn of events, but let's get to uh, let's get to some other stuff about the characters. There's some other differences besides the aesthetics. Oh, uh, do you, how about this? Let's let's read the synopsis, and then let's just dive into the episode, and then we can start to record our observations of the actual episode itself, and and engage with the characters as they appear. Let, right. Yeah. Let's do that. All right. So the synopsis, would you like to lay that on us? I did the last one. So once again, Shags to Riches. Uh, Shaggy's uncle. I feel like, okay, sorry. I, I feel like I should touch on this now. I've been meaning to for ages. And think back with me here. How many uncles and aunts have shown up on this show from just episodes that we've done? I mean, the simple answer is a lot. And you would think there's been some doubles at some point. I guess a person can have multiple aunts and uncles, but there's a limit. But, like... Daffy's aunt was the cat creature. Daffy's aunt was a cat creature. Velma's aunt and uncle were the Halloween Town folk. And her aunt was also in Scooby Dude. She was the marine biologist. That's right. Velma's got a big family. That's 50% of episodes that we've done have had an aunt or uncle in them. I, you know what? Okay, so uh, the synopsis. Shaggy's uncle, again an uncle, disappears and leaves Shaggy with a billion dollars. So Shaggy and Scooby-Doo go to the mansion he left for them and start exploring. They see some of his inventions, and Shaggy sees a note about how someone is trying to steal his uncle's invention, forcing him to go into hiding. The uncle is in hiding, not, not Shaggy. So, uh, so with that being said, let's dive right into it as we normally do with the intro. Yes, so there is an intro theme song. It's an original one. This isn't a recycled theme song. This is brand new. Do you know who did this theme song, Evan? Uh, I saw it on Wikipedia. It was Mark Mothersbaugh, who is the lead singer and keyboardist for Devo of Whip It, Whip It Good fame. Oh, wow. Okay. Huh. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty wild that they got him in on this. That being said, the intro is what made me first feel like every atom of my being like rebelled against uh, Shaggy and Scooby-Doo Get a Clue. Like, I hated it. The, my biggest thing with the intro is that it sounded like it was intentionally trying to sound bad. I, I have the intro here ready, and I thought maybe we could read it like a, a Civil War letter or something to try and endow it with a certain gravitas. <laughs> Yeah, you know what? Let me hold on. Let me let me open that up on my end because it certainly doesn't have any naturally and the way it's performed is so annoying Like it's really really annoying. That's all I can think of about it's it. It's very like a how do I even describe it? It it, it, it has like heavy 
heavy delivery, I guess? Yeah, it's like really heavy, grungy guitar work. Okay, from what I recall, like, while I'm hanging with the Scoob, Shaggy's watching tunes. That's what I meant, like, the the end rhymes are, like, very strong. And really overt. Yeah, let's, sure, let's let's read this. I have the lyrics up. We can, we can alternate. All right. Oh, Shaggy, Scooby-Doo, get a clue. We're on the road again with each other till the end. I'm gonna sing this song all day long. Two friends on the run, making trouble, having fun. Shaggy and Scooby-Doo, get a clue. While I'm hanging with the Scoob, Shaggy's watching tunes. I'm gonna sing a song all day long. Eating food is what they do, and they don't do it for you. Shaggy and Scooby-Doo, get a clue. They're hanging on TV like two celebrities. I'm gonna sing this song all All day day long. long. Now the girls got it too. Just the Shaggy and the Scoob. Shaggy and Scooby-Doo, get a clue. We're on the road again, with each other, till the end. I'm I'm gonna gonna sing sing this song all day long. All day long. Two friends on the run. Making trouble, having fun. Shaggy Shaggy and Scooby-Doo, get get a clue. clue. Yeah, Shaggy and Scooby-Doo, get a clue. Yeah, Shaggy and Scooby-Doo, get a clue. Shaggy and Scooby-Doo, get a clue. Now, now imagine that, but worse. <laughs> now imagine that, but like, Shaggy Scooby-Doo, get a clue. It's just like... Yeah, that, that was exactly it, uh-huh. And, and it has this repeated line of, I'm gonna sing this song all day long, which makes it sound like your younger sibling trying to annoy you on a long car trip. What is it? Lamb Chop? Do you remember that Lamb Chop? Like... This is the song that never right. ends, is that Lamb Chop? Exactly. Just goes on and on, my friends. You know, when they were writing that, they got it from these people who started singing it. And, uh, never mind. I'm, just <laughs> <laughs> I'm watching your face and I'm like, this is a bit, but he doesn't look like he's committed to it. He dove headfirst into this pool and he doesn't like the water. So, so the theme is bad. Shaggy and Scooby are the only characters that, that we see in the opening, if I recall correctly. They, we do see the silhouettes of Fred, Velma, and Shaggy across the screen at one point, but they're pretty much absent from the opening, and it makes sense because they're pretty much absent from this series. They appear a little bit in episode one, and they do have a strong role to play in one later episode of this series, but for reasons that will come clear in the plot, or I guess for reasons that will not come clear in the plot, they're not really strongly present in this show. Okay, we, we've gone through the the title, or which is... Yeah, it's a lot of silhouettes, it's a lot of dancing. It's a lot of words scrolling across the screen. It looks like the most amateurishly produced theme song ever. Kind of got a little bit of a retro theme, which is which is interesting for like 2006. Again, this is like, we're into the aughts now. And from there, we dive right into the episode. I mean, we hit the ground running. Like I said, um, this theme made me hate the show. The next few minutes really cemented that really made me feel like, oh, I will not like this. It doesn't do a whole lot to endear you right off the bat. And what's what's the first thing we see coming out of the intro? It's, um, I guess like a 70s basement? It has, a, you know, like wood paneling, like it's carpeted. It's kind of a stoner basement. Yeah, and, and Shaggy has just found out, it's the premise of the episode, Shaggy has just found out that he's inherited a billion dollars. And he's so uh, ecstatic that he's he's floating on air but literally yeah we open up on shaggy floating in the air like he's one of uh like in mary poppins when they when they laugh that's that's what's happening right now (laughs) oh that's right or or peter pan or charlie and the chocolate factory he's just had some of that burping stuff that's a much better one yeah i was i had conflated that in in mary poppins for some reason because of I, i thought that they drank something in mary poppins or do they they might i don't know Mary Poppins is weird, man. Mary Poppins was a weird one. 
just to get back to, I mean, we open up on Shaggy floating. We read you guys the synopsis or the premise, so you guys know what we're going into here. Just diving into the episode, we don't know. Uh, all we see is Shaggy floating. He tells Scooby, I'm going to be a billionaire. We're going to be a billionaire. We need to call the gang. Which is very sweet. Even though I hated this almost from the beginning, what he says first off is like, it's Shaggy's money, but as far as he's concerned, they're both rich. We're billionaires, Scoob, and just in time for brunch. And let's, let's put a pause on the premise for a second just to address the first thing we hear, which is Shaggy's voice. Oh, which is, which is what uh, made, like I said, all of the atoms in my body rebel against this show. Ugh. Okay, so Shaggy is voiced by Scott Menville, who is a veteran voice actor who gets a lot of respect for me for some of his other credits. He was Robin in Teen Titans, a favorite of mine. He's done a lot of work, and he's clearly an accomplished voice actor, but his Shaggy is just, I don't know, like five degrees off. It's the worst Shaggy I've ever heard. And granted, I'm comparing him to Matthew Lillard and Casey Kasem, which are two very high bars to have to hop over. But the thing is, Casey Kasem appears in this series later on as Uncle Albert. We won't see him anywhere in this episode, but he will later on voice Uncle Albert. So it's not like they couldn't get a hold of Casey Kasem, but this is the first series where series where Casey Kasem doesn't voice Shaggy, and it shows. It's so bizarre because, because Shaggy has a high-pitched voice. And this guy was doing high-pitched stuff. They're both high-pitched, but it's wrong. It's just wrong. I don't want to... I'm not even going to... For my part, I'm not going to fuss over why it's wrong. Just know, listeners, that it's wrong. It's unholy wrong. I might even be able to buy into it. Were this, like, a younger... A younger Shaggy. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but this is a Shaggy who's been in the game for a while. If anything, this is a slightly older Shaggy, kind of like we see in the movies. Right, exactly. If, if this was maybe... Not like not like a pup named Scooby Doo Shaggy, but like a, somewhere in the middle, you know, like literally like college age yeah. Shaggy or something, or like high school age. Then yeah, this voice would be acceptable. But for what we're led to believe it is, it's like a like a jackhammer in the ear. It's it's pretty terrible. It's hard to listen to. I just kind of had to tune out at a certain point. On the flip side, we had Frank Welker voicing Scooby Doo, who is after Don Messick, my favorite Scooby Doo. You know what? For some reason, I also didn't like it just from the get-go. For Scooby-Doo? Yeah, and then I did look and I was like, oh, it's Frank Welker. Why don't I like this? <laughs> See, Scooby and Shaggy are like a, a vanilla chocolate swirl. You, you consume the flavor all at once. And if the vanilla is rancid, the chocolate doesn't taste good. And the vanilla is rancid here. There's no other metaphor that we could use. You know what? I friggin' that actually really hits home for me. I love the soft serve swirl, so. Oh, really? I, I haven't had that in de a decade or more. It's so good. I haven't had that from before this show came out. But anyways, we had to make a note on the voice acting there. So, you know, watch this show muted with subtitles if you guys watch it. Shaggy calls up the gang. And, and then there's like a fun little sort of like who's on first thing with the whole like. Yeah, Shaggy says, like, wow, like Rich, my uncle. And Velma's like, his uncle's name is Albert. It's like, does Shaggy only have one uncle? <laughs> That's right, cause she, cause, yeah, because Fred's like, oh, his uncle's name is Rich, his uncle's name is Albert. Shaggy, I didn't even think of that. What Shaggy says in response to becoming a billionaire to the gang is, make a list of everything you've ever wanted and we'll buy it for you. Essentially showing that Shaggy becoming rich means the gang is rich. That's very touching. And this is not always done in a lot of the the older uh, a lot of the older shows. And there's much less focus on like the dynamics of the group, like their friendships with one another. Yes. Uh, and so to see that come to the forefront, if only for a brief period of time, is very nice. It's like, oh, all right, yeah. Uh, he he wants to spread the wealth around. He's not 
it hasn't gone to his head. That's only undercut by everything else this show does to exclude Fred, Daphne, and Velma in any way possible. Aside from that... It's almost like he he extends an olive branch and then, like, beats them with it. <laughs> they don't really appear again until the the end of the episode. My big question is, Evan, if you inherited such money, can I expect such a phone call from you? I mean, a billion dollars? It's very likely. You can at least shave off a couple of thousand for your Scooby Bud. Yeah, if I had a billion dollars, none of my friends would have student loans owing. I'm gonna have to get some student loans just in case. It's like, man, with a billion dollars, do you know how many homes in Toronto I could buy? At least a dozen. It's a, it's a lot of money. So Shaggy is justifiably very excited. And one of the first things they do is they go, let's go check out, I think they say Our Mansion? Yeah, Our Mansion. Previously, Uncle Albert's Mansion. Uh, kind of like what I intimated in the beginning, we get the premise piecemeal as this intro is opening. First, all we learn is that they got a billion dollars. Shaggy calls the gang. Then we learn it's because of his Uncle Albert. Then they're going to Uncle Albert's Mansion, and Shaggy clarifies, you know, Albert didn't even die. He just disappeared. And I guess he was declared dead and all of his assets were immediately distributed. Yeah, it, it removes a little bit of the dark cloud that comes with an inheritance being passed on. It, it should still be dark, though. Shaggy is celebrating immediately because his uncle has disappeared and is presumed dead at least enough that, yeah, again, his assets are distributed amongst his inheritors. Uh, so, yeah, they, they go up the stairs to the mansion uh, and who should greet them? but a new character named Roby. Roby is my favorite character in this uh, in this show. That is very interesting. Really? Did you not like Roby? I didn't mind Roby. Uh, well, I think we'll get to it very, very shortly. Roby is, is described by Shaggy as his uncle's very first invention. Yes, and, and Roby is essentially a tuxedo-wearing robot with one wheel that he rides around on and four arms sticking out of his sides, a la General Grievous or Dr. Octopus, whichever you prefer. And not all of the kinks have been his first invention, right? So yeah. a few glitches here and there. He's not programmed as well as he could be. He he goes to prepare them some food in the kitchen and he, he like grapples out cables from his shoulders or something and just like pulls the doors off the hinges. Yeah, his arms telescope out, fire through the door and then rip the door off his hinges. And then he proceeds to continually like bust through the walls, walking in, like rolling in and out of the kitchen. And I think that's why I didn't like him because I hate, I hate property damage. Property damage in cartoons is, it kind of like irks you, right? You're like, oh, that's money. That's their inheritance. Yeah, and I can't, I can't deal. Yeah, it is money. And it's like, is this a whole mansion constantly in a state of, of like reconstruction because you don't understand how doors work? Yeah, and also this is, his, this is Uncle Albert's first invention. This robot's been doing this kind of crap for ages. Presumably worse stuff earlier on. Shaggy says they haven't ironed out the kinks yet. Have they ironed anything out? How many, how many men women, children, and most importantly, dogs has Roby killed. <laughs> killed, yeah. In an attempt to pet. Right. Uh, w one quick note on Roby. Uh, Roby's voiced by Jim Meskimen, who is a frequent guest on Whose Line Is It Anyway? And I think some oh. of those acting talents show through here. There's some great voice work done with Roby. Uh, so yeah, while Roby fixes them a snack. Roby starts bursting through walls saying Roby's gonna whip up a plate of whatever they have. And while Roby's doing that, they want to watch the tube, the television set, which, as you would expect in a mansion, is enormous. Not watch a little tube, watch a big tube, is what Shaggy says. And what follows is a montage that's kind of kids' riches witch fulfillment. Does that make sense? 
it's a little it's dated mm. even for being in the early aughts if you were rich you had a lot of remotes and so the, there's a bowl on the desk on the table that has a ton of remotes in it that they have to try to press all these to turn on the tv and they do a very variety of other things they uh, make the sprinklers go on the front lawn, they turn on the fountains, they make a disco ball pop out, and the couch, in fact, starts vibrating. That was the big thing back in, back in again, that era, is, like, if you were rich or, like, if you were, like, high-tech, you either had many remotes or you had, like, one remote that did many different things. And yeah. it was always, like, someone would always press, like, the sex button accidentally. <laughs> and the couch stops vibrating and starts humping. R right. <laughs> Essentially, yeah like, yeah. like, like, the mood lighting, like, goes on and, like... Uh, the, the music starts and the candles, I guess, light up as well. It's a love seat. It's what it does. The, the thing that I thought would be a comparison for this, because it's, it's very much exalting in the wealth that Shaggy and Scooby have, but they're still young enough to be carefree with this wealth. Is it Richie Rich? Richie Rich, uh, Blank Check, uh, Dunstan Checks In are the three movies that I thought to compare it to. Dunstan Checks In with the chimpanzee? Was it a chimp or was it an orangutan? I think it was, it might have been an orangutan. Um, and you know who else was in the movie as the dad? He was uh, Jason Alexander, yeah. Yep, George from Seinfeld. Anyways, those are all movies where a kid gets a lot of money and gets to spend it on stuff a kid would want to spend money on. And so it's kind of celebrating that wealth. And for at least the first portion of this episode, that's what we're doing. Eventually, Roby comes back with the uh, with with their snack, which I'll, I'll leave, leave to you to uh, to describe. You you know I've got a couple notes on this, and you're right. Oh yes, Ro I do. Roby has whipped up a plate of beans. Uh, Roby says, unfortunately, the plate became mixed with the beans during the whipping process, which I fear has rendered them dangerous for consumption. And then Roby whips out a giant grin, <laughs> like huge grin, <laughs> ding. Which is really what sealed Roby, in my mind, as a great character. That's very fair. Yeah, he literally whipped up a plate. So, yeah, and it's basically this red paste with shards of plate in it. And again, Roby acknowledges they're dangerous for consumption, and then grins widely as if he's proud of his work, or her work. They're still... they, they f find... I'm, listeners can't see this, I'm doing air quotes. Yeah. The, uh, the television remote. Yeah, they, they see it on the bookcase. Oh, that's gotta be the television remote. Which flips the uh, flips the bookcase around, rotates, and they're, then they're in a shoot. Mm, a very classic Scooby move. Uh, going down into what turns out to be Uncle Albert's secret laboratory. What, what I do want to give uh, the showrunners props for is that you don't, like, first of all, you realize Uncle Albert is rich. You don't realize where his riches have stemmed from until you meet Roby. And until Shaggy says, oh, Roby was my uncle's first invention. Which I thought was a nice way of like slowly revealing like who Uncle Albert is. A, he's a rich guy, and then B, he's he's an inventor. And then like, oh, he's like a prolific inventor, he's a scientist. Yeah, you could say it's a strength of this show, how they reveal the premise by increments, by degrees. Um, it, it also takes a little bit to get into the episode for that. One way or another, we found ourselves down in his secret laboratory. There are a number of devices, one of which is a teleportation device, and another of which is a shrinking ray. They decide not to mess around with the teleportation device, and they acknowledge they probably shouldn't touch the shrinking ray either. So they take turns shrinking each other. <laughs> and it's just like one to two minutes of them shrinking each other. And like falling over and Shaggy becomes big and Scooby becomes small. And it, yeah, it's like one to two minutes, a long gag of it. Not even the last gag we're going to have with this device. It's not even that funny. I think it's the thing. It's like sort of amusing because we're watching people enjoy themselves. I think that's the thing. And it's the same thing when we see them messing with the remotes and exploring the big mansion. It's got this fun, peppy, almost exalting music. 
which, yeah, just kind of wants to demonstrate to us how much they're enjoying this experience so we can enjoy it vicariously. So, you know, you, you want to be careful when, when you're horsing around. And, and what happens next is that Shaggy, he falls back and he strikes the back of his head on this computer panel and it obviously instantly paralyzes him. Yeah, he can't move. For the rest of the uh, this series, from what I can tell... It's a million dollar baby kind of situation. <laughs> Later, Scooby has to rush to the hospital because Shaggy has uh, tried to bite through his tongue because his life means nothing now. You could have gone uh, the million dollar man, the six million dollar man, but you went million dollar baby. Are you proud of yourself? I am. You know I am. I am proud of you too. That's fair. Um, Shaggy bonks his head, but he's okay. What he sees is a note taped underneath this computer control panel that says Scooby and Shaggy on it. Gotta open that up and read it then. It says, use this computer password to access my files. And Shaggy says, like, you'll never believe this, Scoob, but the password is Scooby Snack. Then they find out Uncle Albert has come up with a formula for something called, uh, I'm gonna do air quotes again, nanotechnology. Yes, and what does nanotechnology do? Well, we're watching this episode from 2017, so obviously nanotechnology lets you transform yourself into super cool stuff. If you're an animal, of course. Yes, specifically if you're an animal. It hasn't been, it's not safe for humans, it's still in early development. As we're going through, we're reading about Uncle Albert's formula, we see a picture of Uncle Albert with Shaggy. Um, it's a graduation photo. Shaggy's wearing a cap and gown, a red cap and gown, and we see Uncle Albert next to him. So this is our first glimpse of the man himself. Do you know who, do you know who Uncle Albert looks like? Who? He looks like Penn of Penn and Teller. Yes, that's a great, I'm glad you had a person because I had all the small points, so I'll back it up with all these. He's tall, he has a goatee and hair pulled back into a smart ponytail, salt and pepper colored hair, and he's got ovular tinted glasses. And he's wearing like a pinstripe suit, I believe, in that picture as well. Yes, he's wearing a very smart suit as well. Almost exactly Penn of Penn and Teller. Yeah, that's a very good call. Um, sorry, the, what I wanted to comment about in regards to nanotechnology is like, it's, I'm not gonna say that everybody knows what it is, but it's, it's like they're saying it as if people would have no idea whatsoever what it is. Yeah, I think in 2006, when this show came out, nanotechnology had been used in pop, like as a device in movies and the like before. And not that it's accurate in what it does in movies, but nanotechnology is like small robotics. That's, you can see it in the name. It's small robots, that, that's all it is. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that they talk about it as if it's magic, it's kind of like, well, it's, you could just pick something else. And, and they call it, here's the thing, they call it a formula as if nanotechnology were a potion. Yes, as if you, you get to nanotechnology via chemistry rather than engineering. Again, it, it's 2006. The G.I. Joe movie came out in 2009, and that was the big thing. They had, like, a missiles that could uh, melt stuff with nanotechnology. I can't even remember the first nanotechnology uh, movie I saw where that was a main element. So... What we find out is that Uncle Albert went into hiding because bad guys are after him trying to get this nanotechnology formula. Uncle Albert's hiding from them, that's why he disappeared. Uh, and Scooby and Shaggy ask each other, who would ever want to hurt him, a good guy like Uncle Albert? He's such a nice guy. Just to, to wrap up that scene before we cut away to who would want to hurt Uncle Albert, Shaggy acknowledges Uncle Albert is family, we have to do whatever it takes to save him after we eat. And so they open up the mini fridge in the secret lab and they find themselves hot dogs, salsa, and taco shells. 
the perfect recipe, of course, for hot dog tacos, which they print out a recipe sheet for from the computer, and they also find, more importantly, the recipe for new and improved Scooby snacks. That's exactly right. And the reason I paid such close attention to the hot dog taco thing is, here's the thing, I don't know if we've discussed it on the podcast, Shaggy being a vegetarian, have we? We have discussed this on the podcast, partly in episodes that have not yet aired yet, but Casey Kasem is a vegetarian, and so he was adamant as much as possible that Shaggy also be a vegetarian. That's hit or miss in some series. Here, presumably, Shaggy's not a vegetarian because he's getting on board with these hot dogs. Doesn't sound like tofu dogs. I, I found that I'm a little disappointed whenever Shaggy is portrayed eating meat. Like, it kind of bums me out. Yeah, in the Scooby-Doo movie, which presumably these characters are based on, we watched that very closely. When this episode is released, you'll hear about it. They went to great lengths to not show Shaggy eating any meat. And in fact, his love interest is a vegetarian. It was nice. It was it was a really respectful tribute, I, I feel like. Completely agree. That was one of the best touches in a great movie. So, like you said, uh, we panned to the people who might want to hurt a good guy like Uncle Albert. Cut to Dr. Fibes and Agents 1 through 13. Uh, 3 through 13, sorry. Three, that's right. Agents 1 and 2 are out of out of the picture for the moment. Uh, specifically, uh, Dr. Fibes, Agents 3 through 13, all of them being in a submarine deep in the ocean somewhere. And Dr. Fibes is after Uncle Albert. He says, tell me you found Dr. Albert. Can we describe Dr. Fibes a little bit? Yeah, let's let's get a little bit of a description for him. I guess overall impression, did you like his design or his character as a villain? I thought he was really messy. He really blasé, like really, like you said, messy. They didn't have a cohesive idea of who they wanted him to be. It's kind of like if you start building an RPG character in an MMO and you just throw on this item and that item and whatever on the top. You're not trying to make it look nice. You're just trying to use whatever's got the appropriate plus ones and plus twos. He looks like they just slapped on villain stereotypes until they had a pile of whatever. He's a villain, so obviously he's a doctor. So he has sort of like the requisite. It's sort of like a lab coat, right? Like It's like a lab coat jacket with like some lines down the arms and like it pins at the shoulder. Dr. Fibes has a, has, I feel really bad for saying this, but like a Gordon Ramsay-esque forehead. <laughs> Sorry, Gordon Ramsay. I don't think Gordon Ramsay is nearly as ugly as uh, Dr. Fibes. No, not from, not from the eyebrows down, just from the eyebrows up. <laughs> I think that too is a little bit cruel, but uh, Dr. Fibes is not a pretty man. They, what they do when we first see him is they do everything they can to make him push his head back into his neck to give him like extra neck folds and flaps to make him seem as gross as possible. Dr. Fibes has kind of these capital D Dexter Dexter from Dexter's lab uh, glasses that are tinted kind of amber, a little bit of a, a very angular nose, and then horrible teeth. And probably his most notable feature is that his uh, left hand is a... How would you describe his left hand? I'm it, at a loss. It, well, it's, it's gone. There's just like a metal stump, but not a blunt metal stump. No, a, a little bit of a rounded. A very shiny, smooth metal stump. That we find out splits open to reveal some kind of, I guess, a laser device? Yeah, it's some sort of like weapon that we, we briefly see in action as he fires at, at one of his agents who informs him that they have not caught Uncle Albert yet. At, at this point in time, it's probably worth mentioning that this is very obviously not your parents scooby-doo yeah in scooby-doo we don't have a giant mega villain a super villain we have crooks and uh, and creeps and criminals who dress up as as villains and monsters here there's no monsters nothing anything like that in this whole series as far as i can tell and we don't have i guess uh what would you call it um what's that word the trope for something that everybody wants i'm thinking like mulligan but it's not mulligan 
I'm I'm searching trope for universally desired thing. Oh, that's much better than what I typed in. Uh, I, I'm still not. It's not pulling anything for me. Universal was a wrong choice of. Yeah, that, that probably. Trope for thing everyone wants. Of course, this is the first search result has to be everyone wants the hermaphrodite. <laughs> that's that's uh, what was the thing called in? Uh, in Pulp Fiction. No. Um. MacGuffin. MacGuffin, not Mulligan. That's not okay. You weren't far so, off, but no, yeah. I got it via the Pulp Fiction suit. The Pulp Kit Fiction briefcase term. Oh yeah, I was looking through via Guardians of the Galaxy. That would have been a good one to go. Okay, now let's say MacGuffin as if there was not a beat wasted between. <laughs> The MacGuffin. So, mm. most yeah, most Scooby-Doo shows do not have a do not have a MacGuffin that everybody wants. In this case, it is the formula for uh, nanotechnology. And essentially, what Doctor Al, what Uncle Albert left Scooby and Shaggy with is, I need you guys to use your mystery-solving skills to protect the formula from the bad guys. But they don't even know where the formula is, so that's going to be their first step. After, of course, they make some food because that's their high priority, which is going to be hot dog tacos and these new cool Scooby snacks. So, so Dr. Fibes has two agents in the field. They are uh, they're agents one and two. As we said initially, it's agents three through 13 who are in this submarine with Dr. Fibes. That leaves one and two somewhere else. Uh, and what they're doing is they're spying on Scooby and Shaggy who are carousing in the kitchen, trying to make their food. And agents one and two are, are kind of characters on their own, in their own right. Agent one is tall, skinny, and kind of wants to get everything done the right way. Agent 2 is short, plump, and wants to be called Agent Striking Cobra. Because uh, Agent 2 or Agent Number 2 connotates something uh, more scatological. Yeah, it's kind of, there's a Reservoir Dogs moment here between the two of them arguing about their names. For me, and I don't, I don't know if you're really into the show, but at this point, the show takes on a strong Venture Bros feel. Yeah, they, they gave off very strong, and I've only seen a little bit. Um, with you and and our and our friend Gordon, quite I think one or two years back, but it did feel very Venture Bros e. Scooby and Shaggy are a lot like the Venture Bros themselves, and the villain, especially the villains' agents one and two, are extremely similar to a couple of Venture Bros characters. Ordinarily, I would say that's a coincidence, or Venture Bros copied Scooby Doo. As it happens, Venture Bros came out over two years before this series. So, wow. to me, it's likely that this could have borrowed a little bit from that. The optics aren't great, I think. They're not, because it is very, very similar what they do with the villains. All I have to say, the villains are, as you said, uh, spying on Shaggy and Scooby as Shaggy and Scooby are making some food. They, they try to, there, there's some communication mishaps with, like, the, the spy watch being thrown into a fountain. None of that's super important. Nothing's really relevant, yeah. Agent 2, a.k.a. Agent Striking Cobra, <laughs> he tries to uh, to climb up into the window of the kitchen. Yeah, because Scooby and Shaggy have created a little bit of smoke, so they're venting the kitchen, they open a window, and that creates an opportunity for Agent 2 to climb in. Shaggy tells Scooby, we're good, the smoke is gone, you can close the window now. And the window obviously slams down on the fingers. In a moment, that made me laugh out loud a little bit. <laughs> Evan, do you ever watch Felix Colgrave videos? No, I haven't. He had this recent one called Double King, but I, I'd be surprised if you didn't recognize his style. Uh, he's a, a solo animator, Australia, hails from Australia, and he does a lot of like bulging and like <laughs> eye popping animation moves, and that's exactly what happens here. Agent Two's eyes bulge in an Adult Swim like level of insanity it's so, it's so funny and what makes it better is he, his eyes bulge from the pain <laughs> and agent one covers his mouth to stop so he can't scream. scream 
And then we see, we have a shot where we see kind of like that wall is cut. We see them on the outside and we see the inside as well with his fingers flailing on the inside. And his fingers are swollen to huge proportions waggling on the inside of the window. It slayed me. I, I thought it was extremely funny. Moments like that and the very existence of Agents 1 and 2 are what endeared me to this show or made me think maybe I should back up some of the uh, ire I held for this show from the start. Yeah. Then I remember the theme song and I'm like, no, I do hate this. I, I would liken it to the delight I felt as a child watching like the Home Alone movies, which mm. I can no longer appreciate as an adult because these men should be dead. Yeah, well, because like the Home Alone movies, you'll see uh, Marv step on a nail and his heel just goes into it. Oh, That's painful. I don't know how I ever saw that as a kid and didn't scream. <laughs> and then as an adult, you watch them each get pegged in the forehead a couple of times with bricks. It's it. Like, they, yeah, they'd be dead. Quite dead. The difference here is that it's a cartoon. Yeah. So you, And that, that provides the level of separation that you need to, like, enjoy people being hurt. Although even here, if they showed someone stepping on a nail and it entering their <laughs> heel, you couldn't take it, which makes it seem even more misguided what they did in Home Alone. <laughs> I almost added Home Alone to my list with Blank Check, Dunstan Checks In, and Richie Rich, but I was like, no, nah, that's a different kind of pleasure. Um, so, so their first attempt at capturing our dynamic duo has been botched. Their second attempt is at the front door. They go around to the front door, and Agent 1 points to the door, and he says, break it down at the count of three. One, two, three. Agent 2 lays down some sick dance moves. He breaks it down. <laughs> And it's it's delightful. It's like we're obviously both laughing because we really liked it. I did really like that. They're for whatever reason, like the least important characters in the show were my favorite somehow. Agent one and two are, are again just they're just a delight. Um Roby ends up opening mm. the door. Which gives them an opportunity to run in, but they slip on the floor that Roby was cleaning. Roby then hoses them down a little extra, and then when they try and shoot Roby with their laser guns, kinda cool laser guns they've got, um, Ro Roby tells them up front, uh, my chassis or whatever has been designed such that it is resistant to laser guns. Yeah, and by resistant means it completely reflects them. The lasers bounce off of Roby, hit the mirror behind them, and then zap themselves in the butt. Well, the lasers bounce all over the place, and they end up, Scooby and Shaggy are waiting for the Scooby Snacks to exit the oven. And they just pulled them out of the oven and held them up in the air in triumph. Much like, uh, much like uh, Rafiki and Simba in The Lion King. Yes, much like uh, Rafiki holding Simba, soon to be voiced by Donald Glover, in The Lion King. Hey, look, we, we, we have all of our Disney showing. That's been we, taken care of. Okay. We, we gotta scale it back. We're DreamWorks. We're, dr we're a DreamWorks oh, th podcast This is now. a DreamWorks episode. My mistake. I didn't realize that <laughs> only you could talk about Disney for 20 minutes per episode. <laughs> Uh, but they, they hold the Scooby Snacks up in the air, and one of those bounced lasers zips across and fries the Scooby Snacks. And surprisingly to me, all it does is leave them scorched. They don't pick them up and then have them disintegrate, which I think is what happens with lasers in cartoons. That's typically what happens is, yeah, they'd be fried and they just fall to ash. The weird thing for me is that in the series of events, you'd expect them either to throw them away or to maintain one of them or to grab one of them. I think they do manage to pocket one of those Scooby Snacks because it'll play into the story right. later, but it's not very clear. I, it's not very I don't well remember shown. It, I don't remember seeing that happen. You just kind of assume I, it does. You kind of have to assume based on what comes later, but it's not very well, uh, well communicated there. Ultimately, what happens is the agents do corner Scooby and Shaggy. 
Do you remember what uh, Agent 2 tells them? With, with I a, have a verbatim quote, de- do you? I wrote it down verbatim as well. He has the most devious... Uh, <laughs> Please tell us. ...grin when he's, when he's delivering this line. He's like, uh, we've got orders to shoot first and ask questions later. So even if you do know, don't tell us until after we shoot you. <laughs> and Agent 1 is just listening like, this is this idiot. Why am I paired up with Agent 2? Excuse me, Agent Striking Cobra. <laughs> Uh, I think if I'm going to be paired up with Agent Strike and Cobra, I want to be Agent Eagle because they prey on cobras. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly. Uh, Scooby and Shaggy say, "Uh, let's make like penguins, and then they immediately slide away on the wet floor. I thought when they said let's make like penguins, it was a pun. Or make like a tree and leaf. Oh, yeah, yeah. I thought they were going to be like, let's make like penguins and beat the Ottawa Ottawa Senators 3-1, securing a key victory on the road to the Stanley Cup. How dare you? Thank you, Chris Kunitz. Wow. Oh, let me tell you, I, I feel like if any sports references, I only care because it's Canada versus America. It's Canada versus America, and it's hockey, so it's something you, it's in your blood to, to know a little bit about that. Canadians have not won the Stanley Cup in, in some time now. And I could not care less, but researched it solely for the point of that bit, obviously. You know that about <laughs> me. It's pretty good, actually. Yeah, well done. Uh, but they, they, essentially, making uh, like penguins just means they slide away on their bellies. They get away. And then later, um, this was another Agent 1 and Agent Strike and Cobra scene that made me, (laughs) like, I was giddy with hilarity. Um, Agent 2 shoots Roby, and the laser bounces off and hits his his partner, who is sort of like, I guess, like, on his back such that his butt is facing um, in the same direction that Agent Agent 2 slash Strike and Cobra shoots Roby again, to no effect, obviously, just bounces off and hits his partner in the butt, and then unloads like three more shots into Ruby, <laughs> a Roby, and subsequently into his partner. Ow! It's it's such good comedy between those two that is not maintained oh. through the rest of the episode. Oh. <laughs> I I feel like I'm such a silent laugher, and like I don't think our listeners realize just how funny. <laughs> That found that, these moments. Uh, honestly, sometimes we we ought to make a super cut of this episode, like a two-minute <laughs> cut, just the funny parts. But from there, Scooby and Shaggy grasp, grapple for the remote, they grab the remote, and they manage to get back down into the lab. Instead of the bookshelf rotating them into the chute, this time the bookshelf raises, they run into an elevator that takes them down. Agent 1 and Agent Strike and Cobra dive into the closing gap and end up getting stuck in what is a terrifying moment for me. It's like what would have happened to Indiana Jones if he wasn't lucky. Like if Indiana Jones had gotten like the temple door falling right on his back. That's what happens to them. And again, Agent 2 striking Cobra's eyes bug out so aggressively that his lenses, like they all have these standard issue lenses, pop out. And it's it's a really, I want to say lovingly rendered, but it's just like a really wonderful attention to detail in that you see the elevator touch down on the bottom of the lab and the lenses follow after and clink off of the roof of that elevator. They put so much work into the littlest gags in this uh, in this series. Um, Agent 1 and 2 do manage to get down to the bottom. They're not stuck there forever, but Scooby and Shaggy have a little surprise waiting for them. They have shrunk themselves down. To, to hide. Even though in this series they're not as cowardly as previous iterations, they do not enjoy conflict. Yeah, but it is notable that they are much less cowardly in this than in other iterations, and I, I think probably near the end of the episode we'll have some more talk on that, but they've shrunk themselves down partly to hide, but partly to fight. 
they've shrunk themselves down and hidden amongst some of their Uncle Albert's chemicals, and they push it over onto the agent's heads, frying the tops of their heads. And then there is a very, very quick... I, I know that you and I, we have this, uh, this Scooby Dudes uh, checklist for what makes an episode of Scooby-Doo a classic episode. Mm. Um, and this is the closest... I want to give them a half check mark for chase scene. Yeah. Because what happens is they're small and they're running around and it doesn't last more than a few seconds. Um, the agents are trying to stomp on them and they score that. I, I almost want to call it more of a fight scene than a chase scene. Because Scooby and Shaggy are small. They're like running around dodging all the stomps and, uh, and flattening attempts of the agents. And they run into agent number one's clothes. Like they run up his pant leg. And I'm fine not to get the inside view of what's underneath that cloth. I don't need the honey I shrunk the kids view of what's in there. Yeah, they, they, uh, they very notably, as they crawl with the pant leg, like you can see the, the little lumps in the fabric. They're on the outside. You know, more on the on the outer thighs. They're they're very purposefully nowhere near sort of. <laughs> Scoop went under the boxers. He's under the boxers. <laughs> to me, this constitutes more of a fight scene than a uh, maybe half fight scene, half chase scene because they are running away, but they are also engaging with the uh, yeah. agent one and two. And then there's a little bit of a fun. We we had told our listeners about the the fun shrinking game that Scooby and Shaggy played with one another. Uh, they now play it with the agents. The Scooby and Shaggy are running away from the agents. They run through the shrinking machine and then they're big. And as soon as they're big again, it's like, oh, now you've got us. This, the size thing doesn't always make sense to me. Like, why should you not be as scared of the agents when you're tiny, but when you're normal sized or their size, then you should be afraid. And the agents get shrunk down, but then you're not afraid of the agents. I thought being small made you powerful. It's confusing. <laughs> I, I'm making too big of a deal out of it, I know. Yeah, there's a little circular uh, panel or button on the uh, the shrinking ray that if you step on it, it reverses the process. So it's a big back and forth between the agents uh, growing and Scooby and Shaggy pulling this lever. It's just this back and forth with them getting big and small. And at one point, they're like different parts of their bodies are getting big and small. Like the agents' like legs will get really big, and they're. The rest of their bodies will shrink, their heads are really big, and the rest of their bodies shrink. And where they, they look kind of like scrappy for like one like brief moment. It's just kind of back and forth. It, it doesn't really do much. Not much comes of that scene. Ultimately, they just shoot Scooby and Shaggy with their guns, which apparently also shoot nets. Because they don't laser Scooby and Shaggy, they net them. And then Scooby and Shaggy are just like, oh man, we got netted. Yeah, you got us. <laughs> Uh, so, Scooby and Shaggy have been taken to uh, Dr. Phineas Fibes' evil submarine. His evil submarine lair. And Dr. Fibes makes a point of introducing his new scientist, whose name is Dr. Trebla. Dr. Trebla seems like a nice enough guy. He's kind of poindexterish with a weird lopsided dark hair and taped together nerd glasses, bow tie, weird teeth, um, kind of Shaggy-esque shaggy sparse, sparse, sparse facial hair. From here. Uh, Dr. Fibes does us as viewers as solid as well as uh, Shaggy and Scooby. He describes himself, well, he says, uh, haven't you heard of me? Um, and then describes himself as a ruthless megalomaniac technology pirate. Well, he says, you probably think I'm a ruthless megalomaniac technology pirate whose own failures as a scientist has driven him insane. But I'm actually quite reasonable, I think you'll find. And then he has a sip of coffee his assistant has brought him, and he screams about who put foam in it and then spikes the coffee like a football <laughs> and menaces at Scooby and Shaggy such that his hairpiece, like his comb-over toupee, pops up a little bit. And Scooby and Shaggy are in horror at his bald head. And then, yeah, it zooms in. You get a whole screenful 
of his bald head, which has like liver spots. And then in a perplexing turn of events, he he presses one of those spots and then his toupee mechanically shifts back into place. Yeah, there's some sort of mechanical element to his toupee, totally unnecessarily. And that's kind of why I said earlier, they're just kind of throwing weird, unappealing, gross villain elements at this character to see what sticks. He's really... Dr. Fibes wants the the, for, the formula for the nanotechnology. And, and this is... Look, Scooby is scared a lot. It is very much a part of his character. But as you and I have noticed, even in past iterations of classic Scooby-Doo, uh, Scooby will still exhibit moments of bravery. This is the most... This is Scooby-Doo at his most craven. <laughs> Funny enough, we've never seen Scooby more scared. To, to elaborate a little bit more, Scooby is crying... <laughs> like like that's how scared he is he's like he's he's sobbing and saying like R -r 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 -r, like we don't have it he's he's we don't know where it is craven is the right word to use my friend because cowardly does not do it justice yeah i've never respected him less <laughs> you know i feel kind of bad because it's like i want scooby and shaggy to be more cowardly than they are in the series they're too cavalier about their situation the situation they're in a lot of the time but this is too much this doesn't balance it out it's a step too far uh and then Shaggy notices that his best friend is like literally sobbing and says, uh, sure we do, Scoob. We've, we've got the formula. Both of what we just said are better Shaggy impressions than on the show itself. It's hard not to do a better Shaggy impression than the show has. And well, Shaggy doesn't actually have the formula, at least not to his knowledge. Uh, but what he does have is the recipe for hot dog tacos, which he which pulls out of his pocket. should not yes. look. You know what the recipe to hot dog tacos is, right? You make hot dogs, you put it in the taco. The two elements they had were tacos and salsa, which don't need to be cooked at all. You can just drop a hot dog in there. So so what was on this sheet or formula that he gives them that they think, oh, this must be the nanotechnology? Yeah, it's not a short sheet either. It looks like a receipt you'd get from CVS or Walgreens. This thing is long. Dr. Fives is like, all right, I'll let you go. I'm going to put you in this holding area. The ballast chamber, he calls it, which is kind of a cool term. You'll be fine, provided that we don't submerge, in which case you'll drown. But we're just going to keep you in there until we test the formula. And they, they throw them in there, the ballast chamber, and almost immediately we hear, prepare to dive in one minute. Which I thought was pretty funny. What happens then? Well, they're, you know, they don't want to drown. But it's, uh, Shaggy has... As we mentioned earlier, he has um, salvaged a single Scooby snack from the batch that they made. And they don't want to drown, but that's what they think is coming next. There's nothing they can they think they can do. We might as well enjoy uh, enjoy the food, which is something that someone will say later that yeah. we will touch on more. So um, they, <laughs> I'm so glad. Uh, so they they lady in the tramp that last piece of Scooby snack. They uh, they balance it in between them and work their way to the center. They, they don't do that. They don't um, do that. They each bite into it. To find that it is, uh, I guess rock hard isn't necessarily the right term, but it's metallic. Yeah, you hear a clang as if you're hitting a, a boiler with a hammer. And they're like, oh, this is terrible. Um, way, way back, when we were talking about the formula to nanotechnology, Shaggy mentions that his Uncle Albert points out that since this formula for nanotechnology is in its early stages... It's not safe for humans. It is safe for animal testing. It's only for animals. It's in the early stages, so not humans can't have it yet. It really struck me because in many cases, animal testing is kind of terrible. 
I'm glad you brought up animal testing because that's not something I'd really thought of, that you test on animals because it's not safe for animals or humans, but one of them matters more than the other. Mm-hmm. And it's to the point where, like, makeup is advertised by, like, oh, we don't test this on animals. At this point, they piece together the mystery. Um, Shaggy pieces together the mystery, I want to say, but he doesn't do it as himself. Yes, he, he asks, what would Velma with her supercomputer brain do? WWVD, what would Velma do? And so he puts himself in the mindset of Velma so much so that we see him dressed as Velma with Velma hair for a moment. And I really, I really wish that he had mimicked a Velma voice. I was really disappointed that he put himself in the Velma mindset. All he did was say jinkies, and that was his eureka. I wanted him to work through the mystery as Velma. Because, and, and that's part of this show's, um, part of its failing is the fact that it doesn't really appreciate the tertiary characters. Um, that would have been a great way of exploring Velma through Shaggy's eyes, but we don't see that at all, really. Yeah, it, it is It is a huge problem. But it, And so and he more kind of like hits things in point form and doesn't tie them together as well as he probably could. No, he just says, Jinkies! That's what it, it all makes sense! And the things he cites are... Yeah, there, there's the animal testing, as I said. The fact that you only test on animals. The fact that Scooby, the Scooby snack was the password. And then also uh, the formula for the new Scooby snacks that they found in the laboratory. It basically turns out that the Scooby snack formula was the nanotechnology formula. Yeah, so they have one little bite's worth of nanotechnology in here. Shaggy says, this is our last hope, Scooby. you got to eat the snack so we can see what it does. Uh, and what it does is it renders Scooby-Doo completely invisible to the human eye. It does. We can't see Scooby. Initially, they, they pull off the whole, like, oh, guards, one of us has disappeared. And Scooby kind of knocks them down, which is a little unScooby-ish. The guards open the door, and normally you'd think Scooby would push them in or something like that, but he, like, knocks them down and presumably out, and that's how they escape. The closest they ever get to being classic Scooby-Doo is talking about past mysteries, which is when Shaggy is asking Scoob, what's the most scared we've ever been? Well, it's when there's been a ghost or a monster that's been chasing us. Yeah, Scooby says, uh, roast? <laughs> yes, roast beef, Scooby. When we don't have our roast beef, we're terrified. Uh, no, it's ghosts and, ghosts and monsters. And so what Shaggy wants to do is to shout that there's ghosts and monsters on the submarine to scare everyone. Yeah, he, he yells that it's haunted, and then all of the henchmen laugh at him. Which I kind of liked. I thought that was pretty funny that Shaggy thinks everyone is as scared of ghosts as he is. But they do have a trump card in their pocket. Which is Scooby Invisible. He then starts to um, accost the various henchmen who are instantly terrified because, yeah, there is an invisible presence. This is a well-justified a well fear now. And it, it goes pretty well for a while. Scooby's knocking people down. He gets hold of one of the laser guns and is firing it. But he burps. This is one of my favorite things. And I see it as very much like an old cartoon trope. But it's when someone is invisible and then they become visible but they keep doing the thing. That they were doing when they were invisible, as, and so they think they're totally bulletproof or vision-proof, but they're not. And what Scooby's doing is he's sticking his tongue out and going Yeah, I love it. It's I, I always think it's very funny. I love that too. I don't think it's been done as much lately, but in old cartoons, you'd see it in like every cartoon you watched had some take on that. And I believe I've seen it in a few like live action things. Again, more for a younger audience, but so, that, so then what happens? So Scooby burps and becomes visible, and the one last agent he's facing then turns the gun on Scooby. Shaggy, in a moment of uncharacteristic bravery, dives to save Scooby and, uh, and distracts the guard just long enough. Dr. Fibes finds out that he has been given, not the formula, the recipe for taco hot dogs. But I hate hot dog tacos. By this time, Scooby and Shaggy have already escaped, 
and then the whole evil submarine is swallowed by a whale. I want to backtrack really quickly to another moment I found quite delightful. Uh, Dr. Fibes walks into the evil boardroom, <clears throat> which has a, a long table with chairs along the sides, uh, chairs of which have been bolted to the floor, which makes sense for a submarine, right? You don't want things that roll around. Yeah, that's a nice touch. But under each chair is huddled a different henchman. Like, they couldn't <laughs> get under the table. They found their own little, like, fear hidey holes. Um, I totally missed that. That's great. It's, re- it's really funny. Uh, it reflects on the capabilities of his, uh, his lackeys. Oh, that's great. And to fast forward to where you were, not just by any whale, by a whale shark. Oh, is that what it is? Whale sharks are the world's largest fish they do not get that big but that being said it was it was very on model it looked like a whale shark it was well designed i I really enjoyed that actually it was quite good yeah i I feel like most people just they they sort of draw sort of like your standard like oh it's sort of like a sperm whale sort of like a blue whale just like a standard like whale but no they went out of their way to draw a, a whale shark which i liked it's it's a nice attention to detail i think most places nowadays you just see the iphone text whale that's what most places do oh like monster not like Monstro, yeah. <laughs> or like uh, Mr. Krabs' daughter. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, Pearl. Pearl, that's right, yeah. Um, so from there, we, we reunite the whole gang. Fred, Daphne, Velma, and Scooby and Shaggy back at the place Fred, Daphne, and Velma were at when they called Le, them. Lachey Food. Lachey Food is the name of the burger joint where... Uh, where they were, they were on the phone uh, when Shaggy initially called them way back in the beginning. So Shaggy calls Fred, Daphne, and Velma at the beginning of this episode. Um, they have a brief talk about this money. Shaggy and Scooby go on a long adventure, a long enough adventure, and then they meet up with Fred, Daphne, and Velma who are sitting in the exact same spot they were before. To my thinking, they just never left this diner. It's, it's been a whole day thing, right? They have nothing going on. They're not even human in this show. So Scooby and Shaggy, they, they relate everything that has happened. And I think it's Fred who says, oh, I guess you two will be working on your own for a while. Yeah, and um, those two things that are related are, according to the recipe, the new improved Scooby Snacks can turn him into almost anything, and this only lasts until Scooby burps. Or Yeah, until he's digested the snack, which is, again, yeah, like you said. It is signified by a burp. So, presumably for the rest of the series, we're going to be seeing uh, Dr. Fives trying to go after this formula, Scooby and Shaggy, and maybe the rest of the gang uh, trying to keep the formula away from them, using the Scooby Snacks as a special device and and we will we will return to shaggy and scooby do get a clue it might just be a while we're not going to return to this right away just so you guys know it's interesting and i want to return to this but in terms of uh fred the rest of the gang's response to this and how they're going to play into the future what do they say at least until we, do you i have the exact oh, yeah, uh, the, transcript by all means go for it i only have what the gang says not scooby and shaggy well here let me do shaggy and you do can you do fred and i'll do shaggy and scooby uh so uh I guess you two will be working on your own for a while. At least until we find Uncle Albert. Uh, and then it's, I think it's Velma. She has a little bit of, up front, but then she says, sure sounds like you two have what it takes. What, what she says is, just so you know, you can always count on us for help. Right, like you can come to us. Mm-hmm. And Shaggy says, I'm sure we'll need it. And she says, well, I, I don't know. It sounds like you guys have, have what it takes. Right. Kind of like, like when you <laughs> offer, maybe you offer someone a, like, like a little bit of your food and you're hoping that they're full. Yeah, they're not going to want it. Or you're like, yeah, anytime you need a ride, man. Well, actually, I need to go to the airport at 4 a.m. this Saturday. And you're like, nah, I think you're good. I think there's Uber for that, man. It feels like she kind of offered, but then she pulled it back a bit. And there is this kind of push and pull where it's like they kind of want Fred, Daphne, and Velma to matter, but they kind of want to keep him in the wings. And then Daphne, who has less to do or say than anyone else, mm. offers up this very out of nowhere, like, 
I think you two have really grown up. And to that, the server says, enjoy the food. <laughs> that is as faithful a recreation as I can do. That's exactly what I wrote here, like D-A, like, enjoy the food. This guy walks over and dumps a burger or two <laughs> on the table. <laughs> Just plops the food down in front of him. Which they uh, they basically like attack like face first to sort of humorously offset uh, Daphne's comment. Praise for how grown up they are. They attack it face first. They devour it with no hands or paws used, and then they both pause and stare at the camera as Fred says. Then again, they're still the same old Shaggy and Scooby. Final impressions. Uh, well, it is it is an obvious disappointment that Fred, Velma, and Daphne have been so sidelined to the point where if you go to IMDb. There is no voice actor listed for Fred. I had to I had to dig to find the voice actors listed for each of them, and they're the they're the main voice actors for them. It's Gray Delisle as uh, Gray Delisle, who's not a small name, not a small name at all. Like apparently, Fred appears here and then has like a non-speaking cameo in like another episode. Ugh, it's so sad, such a waste. And Mindy Cohn as Velma, who is mm-hmm. who is Velma? That is the the rightful holder of the Velma name. I guess yeah. Overall, it's that's the biggest loss that's felt. The mystery is also left out, and that's uh, that's a loss as well. That's partly what we like about the show. It's it's interesting to consider what should a good episode of Scooby Doo do? Like how how strong a component is us laughing out loud at it? That's for me. That's a big component of any show. If it makes me laugh out loud, and this one did, it gets major props for that. Uh, and I don't need a Scooby Doo show to necessarily have all the same elements as the classic ones, but when they introduce a big new element that doesn't work, I'm thinking of Dr. Fives, that's a huge amount of time we spend on something that's unappealing. Dr. Fives is just not an appealing character, villain, presence. He doesn't add much or contribute much. He's just there for the plot and just to be someone who's gross and weird all the time. I think I think that if you want to go as much off the rails as, as we have here with sort of like, yeah, like an evil villain and like this formula and everything, the least you can do is have the whole gang in on it. Yeah, and that's the thing that's the weirdest about leaving the gang out is that Scooby and Shaggy obviously need the help. They even show at one point that they wish Velma was there. But then at the end, they're like, yeah, we're going to handle this on our own. What do Fred, Velma, and Shaggy have going on? Uh, Fred, Velma, and Daphne. Uh, from, excuse yeah, me, Fred, Velma, and Daphne have going on that they can't help. It's so offset by the beginning when Shaggy says, we're rich. If you have anything you want to buy, let us know. We're going to buy it. Yeah, it's this thing like, is are Fred, Daphne, and uh, Velma that terrible that they're only with you in the good times? Hey, call us if you have uh, if you ever come into a billion dollars, but don't call us if your uncle disappears. We're mystery solvers, but more than anything, we're mooches. That, that's what would have really made this show for me, because again, it's funny, right? It's, it's, it's a very entertaining show. And Shaggy is such a poor lead that he really can't carry the show. This is a show that really needs Fred, Daphne, and Velma. And I'm, I'm sorry, Scott and Menville, if you're listening to this, again, I loved you as Robin in Teen Titans. I think you're a solid Johnny Quest in that new iteration. Stay away from Shaggy. Please. I mean, just, you obviously tried very hard, which I respect, and, and it's an, an entertaining show, but it's just not... It's just not shaggy. Rhymes. I don't think you tried that hard. I think you could have oh. studied harder to adopt Casey Kasem's shaggy. I think you said F that. No, no, no. Wait, please keep listening to our podcast. Tell all your friends. I want every listener we can get, regardless of race, creed, or religion, except Scott Menville and whatever race, creed, or religion he's part of. So so you, you no longer want white men listening to our podcast. Okay, I take that back. That's the one demographic I can count on. Please, white men, don't leave us. No, no, white men, please. You're the most persecuted group there is. Please. 
red pill uh yeah i honestly i think that might be it yeah i think that's it as well uh let's leave time for the outro for the moment thank you guys for listening it's been great to have you along on this ride like you said evan we'll return to this eventually i'm looking forward to doing some uh, classic scooby next we are gonna go back into what makes scooby do scooby do we're gonna do a mystery there's gonna be a ghost or a ghoul or a monster we're gonna cleanse y'all's palates also our palates that was the full episode thank you all excuse me sorry (coughs) 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 so funnily enough what luke is referencing right now is a patreon exclusive uh you guys just heard the episode we have a lot more content on patreon stuff that's been trimmed from episodes stuff that was just too good to put in the regular cast and that's on Patreon. Patreon is a place where you can uh, you can donate to creators, uh, and that helps support us. That helps us pay our artists who we love and who do great work, fantastic work. And you know, even if you have a just a buck a month to throw at us, that's a huge help. That really does make a big difference. And we have tiered rewards for however much you want to donate. And it's great content that you're privy to, no matter how much you donate. We have a regular feed of stuff coming through for you guys to consume. Uh, we have such a fantastic appreciation. Yeah, I like how I complimented us. Yeah, man, we we are great appreciators. <laughs> we have this phenomenal gratitude. Platinum level affection for our listeners. It's such high quality, it's such top tier gratefulness that we, we like to speak the names of our donors each and every single week. Let not a week go by without the names of our donors leaving my lips. That's my life motto that I've lived by since we started the cast. And this week is no different from any other. We're going to shout out our donors just as we will until the end of time. That's right. So uh, without further ado, here are, uh, here are those names. Patreon. Thank you one and all. Outside of Patreon, there are other ways that you can uh, get in touch with the dudes. The first, best, and last way to get in touch with us and to get further content if you're not on Patreon is ScoobyDudes.com. That's our official website where you can check out original art, show notes, screenshots, and captions, which I think are just the biggest treat of every episode. I uh, Yeah, I, uh, I do write up those notes. Uh, sometimes I'll put in a, a few YouTube videos, and I'll, I'll definitely explain a few of those references that uh, maybe not everyone got right off the bat. Sometimes we can be a little bit narrow there if it missed you check it out at scoobydudes.com i really can't hype that website enough it's fantastic and that's not even the only place you can connect with us yeah if you like following people on facebook i love following people new to this facebook thing but tell me more yeah you can find us on facebook it's facebook.com slash scoobydudes facebook.com slash scoobydudes like our page and you know what if you're more of a twitter type if you're a little bit more hip we're these scooby dudes on twitter at these Scooby Dudes, uh, we would love to. Uh, we would love to hear from you there. We would love to hear from you anywhere. And that anywhere that I just referenced is uh, via electronic mail. Electronic mail. Well, we're certainly not giving you our home addresses. So all you can do to send us a direct message privately is Scooby Dudes Podcast at gmail.com. We will respond to your emails if you send us. Uh, I think that pretty much sums it up. We. I'm really glad that you listened to this entire episode. I'm flattered you listened to it all the way through. You could hate this episode, hate our guts, but the fact that you listened to it all, I'm going to be flattered one way or another. But I, I mean, I would, I would appreciate it if you didn't hate our guts. I really don't care. That means makes no please, difference to please me. Please like us. Li- please enjoy what we're doing. I agree. Like us on Facebook. Enjoy us on Twitter. 
Uh, loathe us or not, doesn't matter. No, it, they should not loathe us. I, I thought loathe was what you do on Twitter. Like, you you DM someone or you RT it or you loathe it, you know? <laughs> this is a bad hey, bit. Did you loathe my, my, my tweet the other day? <laughs> dude, I loved it so much, I reloathed it. Whoa, dude. Hey, dude, I saw you've been uh, reloathing your own tweets. That's not really cool, man. <laughs> this is a bad bit and you made me a part of it. I got your sign on. You're a co-conspirator now. That's the episode. That's Luke and Evan. Next week, we're going to be covering Season 2, Episode 3 of Scooby-Doo, Where Are You? The original run. It's Jeepers. It's the Creeper. Make sure to stay tuned in. We will get back to you then. And uh, just to sign off, I really love you guys. I also love you, Evan. I love our listeners. Gosh, I love you. I have have a huge fantastic appreciation for our listeners. They're okay, but they're scum compared to you in my eyes. Okay, well, I don't want them to loathe us. <laughs>